0: You know, if I, if I were smart, um, I would have taken one of my anxieties and assigned it a book. <laughs> it's, but I am both lazy and greedy. And I was like, what if they all formed an anxiety Voltron and made Wanderers? And so, um, you know, I, I I really liken the writing of horror and, and apocalyptic work like this. Um, as sort of like the Sorcerers of Old, where you're drawing, you know, the chalk summoning circle on the ground and you're summoning the demons into that space. Uh, so you can grapple with them. It's like a place for me to wrestle with my anxieties uh, that's not directly wrestling with the anxieties. Like I don't have to experience them. Uh, I just am doing it by proxy, and uh, it feels like a way to, to deal with it in a sense.
1: What is up, everybody? And welcome to episode 44 of SFF Addicts. I'm your host, Adrian M. Gibson, and welcome to your weekly dive into the world of science fiction, fantasy, and writing craft. Joining me as always is my co-host, the Chewy to my Han Solo, the Joker to my Commander Shepard. My dear, I'm Jay Kuhn. How are you?
2: (laughs) I'm good. How are you?
1: Doing great. Doing great. And a quick note for everyone out there, the official SFF Addicts Patreon and merch store are now live, so check the links in the description below to support what we do. You can get some exclusive bonus episodes on the, on the Patreon, or you can buy some merch like the one that MJ is wearing right now for anyone who's watching in video. And don't forget to rate and read the podcast on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the FanFatic YouTube channel where this and every other episode is available in full video. And now joining us once again, science fiction and horror's greatest beard, (laughs) because Kevin Hearn has taken the helm of fantasy. Chuck, that's true. He's
0: got fantasy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) How's it going, Chuck? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. And uh, today we'll be delving into a mini masterclass on post-apocalyptic fiction, which I'm very, very excited to talk about. But Chuck, just to kick things off, what do you think attracts people to apocalyptic narratives?
0: Oh, you know, I, I don't know what attracts people to it, but I can tell you what attracts me to them. Um, I find that they're weirdly cathartic. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I was a kid, the first horror novel I think I really read was Swan Song by Robert Mm McCammon, which for those who don't know is like a 980 some page uh, post-apocalyptic nuclear winter supernatural devil across the wasteland nightmare book. Uh, It's amazing. (laughs) It's one of my favorite books. And it was, you know, based very explicitly on one of the anxieties I had as a kid, because like, you know, those who are of my age were told, like, hey, you know, we might get vaporized in the middle of the night. Good night, sweet yeah, dreams. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, don't worry about bed bugs because Russia has nukes. You're just like, oh, no, that's not good. So it was, it was a very anxiety making uh, thing. And so uh, reading a book like that, which tackles it head on, mm-hmm. um, I think should have maybe, at least by like sort of logical thinking, should have upset me a lot. Um, and it was scary. But uh, afterward, like I kind of felt better, and I don't know if it's like I felt better because it just helped me kind of work things out, or if it helped. I was like, well, even if it happens, it's not going to be this bad. Like I'm not going to (laughs) be across the wasteland by what might be the literal devil, so it's going to be fine. Um, And you know, with Wanderers, people kind of I thought the pandemic happened, and then Wanderers would like just hit a a shelf Mm
1: -hmm. and not,
0: no one would ever read it again. Uh, and that was not the case. It not only maintained its sales, but it sometimes bumped, uh, during the pandemic. And, you know, it, it, a certain type of reader, I think finds a weird level of comfort in that sort of thing. So, uh, that I think to me is the, the trick.
1: Yeah. It's like the catharsis of being like, this is what could happen to me. Yeah. And so does it, it's like, you know, people survive.
2: I, I yeah. could well, survive. survive
1: and
0: they're, they're still characters and they're still people. And, Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I love that though, because I was actually having a similar conversation with a friend the other day about like when I'm sad, listening to sad music doesn't make me sadder. It's almost like it uh, releases a pressure valve. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> and right. like it is sad for me, so I don't have to be as sad, right. right? So maybe it's like kind of a similar phenomenon that's happening here. I love that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes you feel like someone else understands what you're thinking, mm-hmm. how it, whether you're sad or whether you're scared or whatever yeah. it is. Someone else has put that to words slash music slash art slash whatever it is.
2: Right. Yeah. It's like a weird kindred spirit feeling. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking, so we're like talking a lot, a lot about boat. therapy
1: yeah. with Chuck. so yeah, <laughs> I <right>?
0: know. Books <laughs> for therapy, with reading and writing, it's true.
2: <laughs> I love it. So specifically with books, because there's a lot of apocalypse like fiction out there in general. Like there's yeah. films and there's video games and gosh, all of it. Uh, do you feel like there's um, – a specific benefit or like an advantage that books have in bringing unique perspectives that maybe different mediums don't explore or aren't able to explore?
0: Books, I mean, always bring to the table the ability to have a little bit of nuance, right, to the conversation and and that sort of granularity of interior thought that you don't get with um, films and TV for sure. Yeah. Um, You get a little bit with comics because comics has narration, but um, really books are... I mean, they're they're leggy in, in how the story moves. And that's that's one of their values. I mean, I know there's some people who have conversations about like, well, what is necessary in storytelling? But with books right. like, you know, you can get away with a lot of things as long as it, it works. Um, so, you know, in writing wanders for me, there was this kind of experience where. You know, if I, if I were smart. Um, I would have taken one of my anxieties and assigned it a book. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> but I am both lazy and greedy. And I was like, what if they all formed an anxiety Voltron yeah. <laughs> and made Wanderers? And so, um, you know, I, I, I really liken the writing of horror and, and apocalyptic work like this. It's um, sort of like the sorcerers of old where you're drawing, you know, the chalk summoning circle on mm-hmm. the ground and you're summoning the demons into that space. Uh, so you can grapple with them. It's like a place for me to wrestle with my anxieties. That's uh, not directly wrestling with the anxieties. Like I don't have to experience them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just am doing it by proxy. And uh, it feels like a way to to deal with it in a sense.
1: And that's why the book is so chunky.
0: That's why the book is so, <laughs> so chunky. I have a lot of anxiety. Just a lot of <laughs> shit to do. <laughs> a lot of shit to work out. Yeah.
1: And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Swan Song, but yeah. are there other uh, stories or games or books or uh, movies or TV shows or anything like that within the apocalypse, post-apocalyptic genre that are personal favorites of yours?
0: Um, you know, uh, The Stand, obviously, Last of Us. I mean, these are sort of obvious ones. Um, you know, it was like something weird like Adventure Time because, like, it's <laughs> clearly set after an apocalypse, yes, but you're not quite yes. clear what or why. And yes. um, that's interesting to me. Um, I'm reading a book right now called The Last by Hannah Jameson which is about um, a guy who's a historian and he's in a Swiss hotel in the, the Alps for a conference and nuclear war breaks out across the globe and they're cut off And like most of the people leave the hotel, but some stay behind. Mm-hmm. And there's also a, a murder and he's like kind of trying to like spend his time in the end of the world, solving this murder. And it's, it's grim, but not, Hopeless. It's just a weird, it's not like it's not really horror. Um, it's definitely kind of a literary slash murder mystery kind of vibe. But it still has that post-apocalyptic weirdness to it. That's like how everything sort of doesn't feel quite right, but then mm. how some people cleave to normalcy. And it's fascinating. It's a great book.
1: That sounds fascinating. That sounds cool. That sounds kind of like um I read this book by the Strugatsky brothers, who are the ones who wrote uh, Roadside Picnic.
2: Right. Okay. And it's
1: called Dead Mountaineers Hotel. And it has, Ooh. like, a very similar vibe to that, where there's, like, this very kind of atmospheric vibe of, of people up in, like, a, a mountain hotel and uh, a murder mystery that's going on. Uh, okay. Instead of it's an, like a oh,
2: sub-genre all its own. We didn't, yeah. didn't even know. Hotel oh, I want to write one. Right? <laughs>
1: it's yeah, like my turn. Why, why aren't you writing one, man? <laughs>
2: you know. Damn it.
1: I, oh, love yeah. it. I
2: love it. I love it. So we kind of touched on this a little bit in part one, but um, people have said that Wanderers was like prophetic, uh, you know, have asked you yeah. where your crystal ball is. Um, I get emails.
0: So I do, get emails. do you
2: have your own black swan? No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, yeah, I just use artificial, all the chat GPT yeah. stuff. I had not really accessed. And I was just like, hey, that's how about we're going to
2: end it? And he's today. like, let me tell you. <laughs> this <laughs> is what's going to happen. It's let coming gonna, for let you. Let me
1: outline let's this look, for you. I
2: got gotcha. you. Right. It's going to be fungus. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be fungus. Watch it's out. Fungus. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, in all seriousness, what was it? Because, obviously, you you wrote it. It came out before the pandemic. You must it, have written yeah. it several years before the pandemic. What What made you want to write? an apocalypse novel like do you remember the impetus for the idea
0: yeah it was just like again that had a whole like uh, i have a lot of anxieties and the apocalypse (laughs) is a really good framing for that idea it's like how to get the band together like well an apocalypse (laughs) will do it apocalypse will bring all of the things i'm afraid of together in one cauldron uh, bubbling over so yeah um that was really sort of the the thinking behind it is it seemed like a good framework for that and pandemics were themselves one of my anxieties like you know you're Mm -hmm. They show up like every you know people say like well you're prophetic or whatever but i mean realistically a pandemic happens every 10 years or so we just mm-hmm. don't think of them in the way that we think of COVID because COVID was really bad yeah. <laughs> it's really bad and it also happened on a lot of bad watches so to speak in terms of po- politics and, and who yeah. was paying attention exactly yeah. and so it was allowed to to get legs and and run pretty fast so um, But they happen, like you know, swine flu all SARS. the way back to Spanish flu, SARS, yeah. the plague, and Wanders tries to cover some of that stuff. That like, hey, these things grab hold every once in a while. And you know, w- fungus, uh, like a you know, has been one of those things where I'm like, you know, if fungus ever takes hold, we don't have a lot of great ways to deal with it. And that's gonna that's gonna work out in this book. That's gonna be a thing that I'm going that way with it. So, um, yeah, that's that's sort of where where Wanders went. But the prophetic thing was interesting because. Um, you know, people again ask like, well, this, you know, it's, it talks about Ukraine. It talks about obviously the fungal side of things, the, um, uh, climate change side of things, uh, pandemic uh, p- politics.
2: Yeah.
0: And, uh, all of that was a st- bats. And I was like, all of that is stuff that was easily seen. But the one thing that still freaks me out is that there was a, uh, after COVID hit, there was news that there was an algorithm called blue dot that had predicted it a week before it happened. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I was like, blue dot. Cause It's called black swan in the book, and I was like, it's a two colors, but blue yeah. dots, shit. Blue dots Each shit. Color is a bl fronted <laughs> word. I was like, no, no, no. i mean, like, that was like, yeah, I did this. This is my fault. Very <laughs> did sorry. I
2: just birthed this into the yeah. world, <laughs> yeah. So Adrian
0: hallucinated me, you and hallucinated I blue
2: dots. <laughs> it's all Adrian's
1: fault. I love yeah. it. Well, Adrian's fault. We so, it. Okay, so this is getting really meta. So, like, my hallucination hallucinated a pandemic,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, yep, cool, yep. and I now it's real.
2: No, was um, real. So sorry.
1: Real. You're yeah. welcome, everyone. Yeah. Mushrooms are magic. Yeah. <laughs>
2: there you go. There you go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's crazy because, um, you know, you actually bring it up in, in the book, but it's like this whole thing about like antibiotics and antifungals and things like that. Yeah. But it's like, I live here in Ecuador, and and in the Amazon here in Ecuador, a lot of uh, pharmaceutical companies come to the Amazon to yeah. look for certain uh, bacteria or certain, uh, plants or trees or that kind of yep. thing to basically synth- synthesize and extract for a potential antibiotic or a potential antifungal. But it's like, yep. even though the fight for antibiotics is dreadful, the fight for yeah. antifungals is even more dreadful. So even like, more. oh fuck. Yeah. And there's no money
0: in it. So they don't <laughs> exactly. really pursue it as well as they should. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned how, how this genre is good for you to kind of let out your anxieties and everything yeah. like that. But you brought up earlier about growing up the, the weight of the cold war and the potentiality of nuclear apocalypse and, and Russia and the United States kind of just like dumping some bombs on each other and everything going, going haywire. But, you know, I find apocalypses tend to be a really good avenue for, uh, building upon societal fears, um, in terms of, you know, grand, grand, uh, dangers, but then kind of boiling it down into more individual perceptions of that danger. And that's something that your books do really well on multiple fronts, but it's like, you mentioned like the politics of the book, you mentioned black Swan, which is an AI. So it's like, we got a lot of really big concepts to deal with, but first we'll talk about the political, cultural, climate in America while you were yeah. writing the book. Um yeah. and how that inspired the dynamics we see in wanderers and Wayward and because you were obviously writing it in the aftermath of Donald Trump and his, Well, I was
0: planning it in the rise to Trump. Like I Ooh, that's when yeah. I was like starting to really write the book yeah. in prior to his election. Because
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was still pretty clear that like things were this was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Even if he lost it was well it's like this isn't good. Hillary Clinton's all sucks, this one court. Yeah. So and then he got elected and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, here we are.
2: Here we are.
0: Yeah. Here we are. Yeah.
1: But for you, for you, how was it to kind of like perceive all of that in real time and then, um, translate it into something that was functional for Wanderers? Yeah. And they were- uh,
0: I don't know. I just, one of those things where I knew, like I said, I didn't, unlike pretty much all of my other books prior to that, I didn't outline it. So I, mm. Is one of those things where I was sort of following my gut chapter to chapter, and I was, you know, I write front to back, um, mm-hmm. start to finish, uh in part because I'm not smart enough to do mm-hmm. differently. I would I would be like, what is happening now? I don't know, I've lost all of the thread. I'm generally um, the same. So, it's
2: like Yeah, I, yeah, say, I software, also have to, right. yeah. Way, yeah. <laughs> I have
0: to do it that way. Yeah. I would totally lose it. Um but one of the advantages of doing it that way is it it allows me to experience the rhythm that the reader will also experience mm-hmm. so i yeah. can set the tempo and be like you know what this is dire we need a, something funny or this we need to speed it up a little bit here slow it down a little bit so i can kind of envision the roller coaster as i'm building it mm-hmm. um and life politically <laughs> at that time was exactly that way where like every day was a new like are we going to get a break here it was like It was like the Cylons attacking in Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) You're like, count down to 30. This is going to happen again and again and again. So trying to find a catch a breather and find those moments of levity and fun in that time was like sort of, you know, Wanderers is a book that despite as horrible as a lot of it is, I tried to make it funny and hopeful in the same measure. Like, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide being one of the earliest books that I loved. I'm like, I'm injecting because it's an absurd, insane book that's sort of about some weirdly dark stuff. Of corporate control and just eradicating a planet. And I'm like, I I want to seize just a little bit of that, just a tiny bit of that spark, uh, to put that in in this work.
2: I love that. I love that. I mean, that's one of the things I really loved about Wanderers and Wayward is that they are, and we talked a little bit about nuance in part one, but they're All such right. a nuanced exploration of all of these different concepts, fears, situations, humanity, what, you know, Mm, the good, the bad, the beautiful, the terrible. Um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, looking at back to the fears, we'll talk about AI black swan is, is blue dot. (laughs) Black swan is such a wonderfully complex character and element, um, particularly in wayward. Um, so I'm just kind of curious about your thoughts about, actual ai like we Whoa. joked a little bit about chat gpt uh, yeah. but you know what are what are your thoughts hopes fears about ai in the world uh, right now?
0: yeah we do not even have enough time for me to, to <laughs> really get into that i have very complicated thoughts like you know i don't think uh, ai is certainly uh, non-useful there's so many things that it can bring to the table but it's also obviously a tool and black swan is built off of this sort of in principle especially in the first book that it can really only do things with what already exists. Like it can't AI as it stands and possibly ever, because if, you know, I don't know if we ever really achieve true sentience and intelligence, Mm -hmm. it can't really create something new because everything it makes is based off of us. Mm -hmm. But I also thought in the second book, that's a sort of a fascinating dichotomy because as it gets closer and closer to us and it realizes all it has is us, like does that start to make it mad does it start to make it crazy like what you know and even now like some of the stuff is happening in really fast forward just the, the 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 leap in availability to the masses and the leap in its Capability between the you know a year ago the art it would make would be these like blurry horrible things with a yeah. thousand fingers. It was like now Van, it's it was like
1: Van Gogh, and now it's like yeah, now it's photorealistic people
0: with a thousand fingers. Yeah. But it's gonna figure those fingers out.
2: <laughs> right. Damn one it! Of one, gonna, one of these
0: days, one of it's gonna figure out the number of fingers. When we figure
2: we out have. these fingers. It's over for you, yeah. bitches, <laughs> right?
0: So that, I, I envision like a future story where it's like that's how you find out the AI creations. Like how many? Count your fingers. Like yeah,
2: mm-hmm. right. After
0: at that point, they make you. I'm like, reading.
1: A lot of Doctor Seuss to my son right now, just because it's like whimsical and crazy. And there's one where it's like this dude has 11 fingers, and he has like five in one hand, and then on the other hand he has uh six. And I'm just like trying to explain to my son like it's only five on each hand. Like don't don't get confused, man. This is AI. He's like I'm missing one, (laughs) Dad. (laughs) (laughs) The
0: AI will find you. (laughs) You Report to the AI station for (laughs) correction. Um, yeah, it's weird. Like, you know, I think the, the big sort of like ironic joke in that it's not really even a joke is like, right now AI is being used to recreate all of the things people want to do already, like mm-hmm. art and stories. But like, can it like do my scheduling for me? Like, can yeah. it do the things I want to do? Like, I don't want to write an email. Can it handle that part? Like, right. why isn't it not handling the like? Be the a, where's my Roomba? I want humanity. my
1: Roomba. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Like, why is it? <laughs> take out can some it, of those can it
1: not like subsume my job?
0: Right, right.
1: Yeah, the things like the
0: whole initial idea was like eventually AI will just do all the things so you can create art and write stories. But now it's it's like like starting out doing
1: that. Yeah, (laughs) it's like Ian M. Banks' culture series where it's like, yeah, yeah, this post uh, scarcity um, kind of society. But it's like, no, don't just, just don't. don't throw them into the fucking creative waters because that's where we lurk.
0: That's where we that's are. Where that's there.
1: Yeah, a little like yeah. like creative monsters just lurking. Yeah, set in. it on
0: cancer. Can it cure cancer? Exactly. Like, let it do that exactly. part. We haven't hit that one yet, so
2: do give that. AI a shot. Yeah, give AI the shot.
1: <laughs> it's like they even had a there was like a PlayStation game called like Folding at Home, and it was all about helping an algorithm to increase its knowledge of uh, cancer cells spreading. Oh, right, um, right, 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 right. So it's like, why can't yeah. we just get AI to do that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, find some fucking antifungals for us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> AI. Get on that. I love Don't it. Steal <laughs> yeah. Don't steal I, our jobs. I love it. Yeah. But also, like, for, for you, you know, living through the, the end of the, like, the tail end of the Cold War and into what became somewhat of, like, a less... Uh, apocalyptic um, global scenario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now we're back to the fun times. We're back, yeah, I was we're gonna back, say, back baby. We're back. full
2: circle.
0: Your yeah. Nuclear fear is hot again.
1: <laughs> it's hot again. But yeah. It was like the big apocalypse for the 20th century. You yes. know, it's like books like The Postman and and movies like uh, Escape from New York and and mm-hmm. all these different things. like nuclear warfare was just this ever present thing and and yeah. now with the war in ukraine and with vladimir putin and joe biden kind of being like we're gonna just like talk shit to each other and nothing's gonna get solved and it's just
0: yeah ridiculous but it's also weird how like there's certain things we don't take as seriously like it's happening but like a lot of people are like it's probably not real because like yeah. putin knows that it's just kind of like he he still wants his country he wants the power so is he really going to fire them? And it's almost like how the UFOs thing are like mm-hmm. all these UFO reports and people are like not now, like fine, whatever it is with the UFOs, we have a pandemic. I don't have time to think about UFOs. No, like, well, it might be extraterrestrial. I'm like not now.
1: Yeah. Not but All pe- this time we've been waiting of, for
0: this. There's so right?
1: many people who are like, yeah, I'm really into this, but they're like more into it than something <laughs> like nuclear winter. And it's like, yes. yeah, fucking priorities straight. But do you think, yeah, exactly. Do you think there's going to be a new, uh, resurgence of, of nuclear post-apocalyptic fiction or what do you think about I that i don't
0: know that's a good question like reading this book um the last have, having that as its focus surprised mm-hmm. me i was like oh that's a that's a shocker i didn't expect to see that in this day and age that but the yeah. whole there's like there's an undercurrent to it similar i guess to Wanderers that it's like well did you vote for that guy like she never says mm-hmm. trump but there's this a lot of this like did you vote for that guy because this is how we got here and you're like and other people are like, well, did we really? Because, like, he's just an idiot and he didn't do this. It was just whoever. Then it's, it's So it's, that's, like, this weird undercurrent
1: mm-hmm.
0: to the book is the even before where we're at right now with Ukraine and the buildup of nuclear arsenal again. Like, she was somewhere keyed into that, like, hey, yeah. Trump let something out. Or also, like, stopped paying attention to important things and things mm-hmm. kind of got away from us. Um, it was sort of an interesting kind of kind of connection there. So maybe, maybe we will start to see some of that. I don't know. Yeah. It depends if people want to read. Or if publishers decide they want people to read about the horrible right. things going
1: on. True. Right. Maybe, maybe self pub will will take the helm. It might might be the start. Yeah. 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 Cause it's like, yeah, you're right. Like uh this author kind of hit a hit the nail on the head in terms of like all the machinations behind the scenes that sometimes we don't pay attention to, but it's like right. politics is a uh, is exponential and yes. when it's something as simple as like seemingly simple as like a news story about oh Trump decided to uh back out of the Iran nuclear deal it's like okay yeah. that's just one more step in, in the direction yeah, of like that's
0: a big ripple
1: nuclear like that that's putting nuclear back in the consciousness of people in a very mm-hmm. in a very subtle way but at the same time it's like that's just showing one one politician's lack of forethought in terms of like what the right what the fuck did this cause down the line you yeah know?
0: what yeah, exactly what are the ramifications and the ripple effect yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: and writers i think are uniquely um artists too any sort of storyteller or artist is sort of you know obviously the thing every you know with with talking about the pr- prophetic nature of something like Wanderers. Mm-hmm you know with science fiction a lot of people always ask like oh you're predicting the future you're predicting the technology of the future and i think really both horror writers and science fiction writers and ultimately probably every writer you're really speaking about the present and mm-hmm. I, so i think we're uniquely sort of in that sense that we're talking about in the last piece plugged into you know mycelial networks and stuff <laughs> i think artists and stuff are plugged into a uh, uh, kind of a, a deeper undercurrent of things that we don't consciously necessarily mm-hmm. grab but we're we live a lot in our own heads, and so certain things, we're, we're picking up weird, uh, broken frequencies and, and, and transmissions from, uh, from re- the reality in which we live, not even from the future.
1: Mm-hmm. it's like the detritus of the collective unconscious yes. yeah <laughs> just kind of awesome and awesome. <laughs> just feeding
2: together.
1: on
0: it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah like weird algae
1: we're, we're lurking mj we're yeah. lurking in the waters i love That's it what we do
2: i'm always lurking we're like
1: little hippos just take a big bite here and there
2: <laughs> yeah um, i would yeah. love to be a little hippo um <laughs> I'm down with that it back to specifically well, in mycelial we're, we're coming back anyway I wanted to ask you more about mushrooms um because oh, I know yeah. Adrian wants to talk about mushrooms yeah. um Adrian always wants to talk about mushrooms <laughs> um so I'm gonna set <laughs> you up for some little. some mushroom talk um you talked right. a little bit about um your decision to choose a fungal borne disease because you know you were kind of picking up on again that information that's existing in society now that like, we might not have a great response to that. Um, Was that the, the entire reason? Like what, what was, do you, do you also have a fascination with mushrooms like our friend, Adrian? A little
0: bit. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they're, they're, you know, obviously both from the hallucinogenic component to the consumption as food to the, just the, the weird beauty in your yard and what they Mm -hmm. do and the fruiting bodies, but how that's really only like the flower. And there's so much going on uh, beneath the surface. Um, and then with how that ties into climate change and how, you know, the last of us is playing with it now, but wanderers played with it a little bit too the, mm-hmm. the idea that this is going to get weirder before it gets, you know, stable. If, if it really gets stable. Um, it's just, a, they're just a fascinating because they're really poorly understood. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's only recently you're starting in the last like, few decades, you're starting to see more and more attention being paid to like, Hey, what what is this? <laughs> like, what is this stuff? What are these? What is these funny things in my yard? Like, should I be? Is this a thing we should be thinking about? It's like yeah, yeah probably. In, <laughs> in all of the ways uh, possible, even like, you know, our dog is on a drug called Atopico, which is a, a from a mycotoxin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it's specifically designed, you know, by the fungus to, to, to combat you know, an unholy host of intruders to itself. And so you distill that down to a drug and you give it to your dog. So they stop licking their ass. So it's, like, <laughs> it's like There's a weird chain of events that go from, well, you know, one to the other, but it's A to Z dog is butts. a,
1: a <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But it's so cool because there's, there's just a range of, of, um, possibilities for what fungi can do. It's like, yeah. you know, they can help your dog with an itchy butt. <laughs> or they can, you know, there's a there's a mycologist in Canada called Paul Stamets, and oh he's, yeah, like he, quote he yeah. does a lot about uh, myco mycoreme- remediation and, um, you know, mycelium as like building material. So there's like you can make bricks out of mycelium, or you yeah. can use mycoremediation remediation to clean up oil spills. Like there's even a yeah. there's even a fungi in the Amazon. That is basically has developed over over however many you know centuries or whatever to literally consume and break down petroleum. Yeah, yeah,
2: I've heard about
0: that. Yeah, so like they can
1: they can like break down plastic and and you know we can hopefully use it in the seas to to break down these microplastics and have them be consumed Mm -hmm. by the fungi and take that all that shit out of the water. It's like. Fungus are. can
0: save us yeah. if we let it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's Paul Stamets kind of, kind of shtick is like mushrooms are going to save the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, like the understanding of it is so new and I don't think that there's, um, there's not enough of like a public perception of what mushrooms can do. But I think there are some things that are kind of putting mushrooms into the public consciousness, you know, whether yes. it's like your book. Um, or now I think like the last of us is very poignant. It's like the last of us is a huge thing. And even though it shows fungi as the cause for a zombie outbreak, I think it is still very interesting to have fungi out there and so widely consumed by people so that at the very least it's like, okay, we know it's not going to cause a zombie outbreak. Um, but what else can mushrooms do? We do we
2: know that though, Adrian? Do we not, know that?
1: Not, not in humans. <laughs> Cordyceps can affect certain bugs. And, yeah, like
2: the and ants, things. right? Yeah. Yeah. But we I love that, that it
0: really—it seems like it self-regulates. It knows not to take all of them. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a balance to it that I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, it's why I like like the work of Jeff Vandermeer in terms yeah. of his what he deals with with fungus is that even when he sort of gets into the horror of it, it's an alien horror, not a Horror horror. Like I, I obviously love The Last of Us, but it's not doing a lot with fungus in terms of like how beautiful and weird it is. Yes. It mostly just kind of uses them as a zombie analog with a few mm-hmm. painted on kind of like details. Mm-hmm. Visually, it's fantastic. Um, but I, I could see, you know, more like going deeper. And Vandermeer goes like goes weird. He is he is all weird. And fungus is so weird it's it's like a match made in, in heaven.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like a new weird author talking about yes. something weird. Vandermeer is one of my biggest influences and, and yeah, yeah, it's like the, the beauty of it in terms of, um, there's like a sublime nature to, to fungi in terms of what we lack in understanding, but also in terms of like the inherent beauty that we can see in it. Um, and then at the same time, you know, there is horror there, but then yeah. humans have horror too. It's like, Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. We have probably more horror than anything that exists. <laughs> the horror of, the of,
0: of mushrooms out. is like not hard to the mushrooms.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I mean?
0: It's like, it's just hard. Cause we don't get it. And it's weird. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. I'm just decomposing, man. That's all. I mean. Yeah. I'm just talking, talking to my, my celial friends and decomposing. Yeah. yeah and there's it. a, there's another thing that, that, that I wanted to, to kind of pick your brain about because in terms of, uh, the prophetic nature that MJ, MJ mentioned, but there's even this angle with the actual fungi itself, uh, in Wanderers and Wayward in terms of like its origins in sort of, sort of things like gain of function research and bioterrorism, which is also very prophetic because gain of function research became a very big thing during COVID and bioterrorism is always an ever present threat that people don't really think about that much. Um, so for you, how was it going down that research <laughs> rabbit hole?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Nightmare. I mean, like. <laughs> I was going to say, how bad <laughs> yeah. is your
2: anxiety now?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's where you start to be like, because like my initial impetus was like, well, I know, you know, we are dealing with white with bats here. And I know there's certain ways that they've tried to get ahead of it and mm-hmm. not always successfully. And uh, you know, there's similar fungal things that go with snakes and frogs, and you start to be like, "Oh, there's like a frog apocalypse with certain kinds of fungal infections." And mm-hmm. you're like, "Well, what, with, what happens to people? If that's a thing with people, it's like <laughs> uh. it's not last of a zombie time. It's just like a pandemic. It's just a yeah. bad situation." And yeah. I didn't want it to become like the type of thing where, whether in the Last of Us or the Crazies or whatever, where they people become just automatically violent and go nuts, like. Mm-hmm. I thought there was something about like, well, as it gets into your brain, you just kind of start to lose yourself a little bit to it. And yeah. it, it was sad and poignant of people just not having it together anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> it's like, it's one of the journeys like, no, no, that could happen. And like having spoken to, you know, someone like Maren McKenna, who is obviously a great reporter on both the CDC and issues with um, health and microbial existence. She'd go, like, oh, yeah, no, that's one of our blind spots is mm-hmm. fungus. like, it's just really one of those things we don't, you know, as we get sort of super fungal infections happening and you know, we just don't know and we have low levels of antifungal and they're, they're rough, generally speaking. So it's going to, if that ever were to take the leap um, it's going to be a bad situation. So I was like, "Yeah,
1: I'm going to run about that. It's like, like, <laughs> time so,
0: Let's get ahead of that and figure
1: it out." MJ, you look oh terrified. <laughs>
2: I know. Well, that's the thing. It's like I'm. Yeah, I'm like a little bit of a hypochondriac. Um uh, but Same. it's fascinating too, okay. right? Where it's like it, it's scary, but okay. Yeah. So like, let's bring it back to some happiness for a little yeah. bit here, because yeah, yeah, yeah. apocalypse fiction. It's it's. I mean, it's notoriously bleak, right? Yeah, but uh-huh. like. Uh, Uh, Adrian and I were talking and I know we mentioned it a little bit earlier too, but we found both Wanderers and Wayward to be ultimately hopeful. Like there's an undercurrent, there's, there's chords of hope ringing throughout the whole story. And, uh, I just, I'm assuming that was very intentional. I I really enjoyed how, um, you know, we talked a little bit a minute ago about, you know, humans have, you know, the evil and and awful in them, but there were so many parts in Wanders and Wayward where we see the beautiful in humans or just, you know, when society collapses, not everyone is immediately going to, you know, grab their, you know, machine guns and go Mad Max, right? We're going to well, That's have- exactly
0: it. Most don't. <laughs> Historically, right. like, Lord of the Flies is not how that actually turned out mm-hmm. when that actually happened. It's yeah. not- Yeah. Um, it's good fiction, but usually that good fiction ends up being a warning more than a, a reality. Mm-hmm. Um And I didn't want- society to turn into the road um or even last of us i you know as much i really really like the last of us but i find its um view of what people became to be really really nihilistic like we suddenly became just a fascist nightmare state i'm not suggesting it would be peaches and cream but uh, you know communities do come together in in hard times and it has some of that too last of us is starting to kind of get into that a little more which i I do like Um, but I really wanted to sort of have that like Rebecca sort of like, you know, Paris built in hell, like there are community is the thing that, you know, kind of saves us. And we talked a little bit about it in the earlier, um, recording early talk about, you know, community saves writers. And I think that's just sort of true in everything is having community Mm -hmm. is one of those things that, um, is vital and was vital at the, you know, the pandemic and it's vital as a writer and it's vital, you know, as things um, hit chaos points, um, along our (laughs) civilization journey. I yeah, like that.
1: And ultimately that, that is channeled through your representation, representation of characters. And, and, you know, we brought up, yeah, that apocalypse tends to focus on the darker sides of human behavior. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the road and it's like, that's one of the clear examples in my head of like, Post-apocalyptic fiction that is very um powerful, but at the same time it is very nihilistic. Yes, um, it can be. Yeah. You know, Zombie I, fiction too. Exactly. One yes. of my favorite one of my favorite post-apocalypses is The Matrix. And oh, yeah there through throughout that entire uh trilogy, even though like the last movie is pretty whatever and the second movie is okay, <laughs> um, there's still a lot of uh yeah, there like just said, it's like there's a lot of hope oh in yeah. there. And I think hope is that kind of thing that when it comes through character. Um, it, it really helps to let readers understand human nature a little bit better when not everyone just resorts to animal behavior and decides to yes. fucking decapitate each other and, and just become right. like bandits and, and, and all that yeah. kind of thing. But, um, I think you balanced your characters with really complex, nuanced behavior and, and something that MJ brought up, uh, earlier in terms of, um, People doing beautiful things, even though yeah. it might not be intentional, or even though it might not be uh, a massive thing, but something beautiful that shows you humans can be positive and humans can come together in the face yeah. of all this, all this horrific. Well, it's uh, the whole Station Eleven
0: thing, right? Exactly. Like survival is not enough; it's, either, it's about art and theater yeah. and radio. Exactly. I mean, it's like trying to rebuild, not just like. I need food, but like there's a reason I, I want to stay in mm-hmm. the world, and it's the, it's all of these things that people make, and it's the community that we find. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And for you, when you were writing Wanderers and Wayward, how did you approach the character portrayals? Uh, and at the same time, what advice would you give for authors who are writing in this apocalypse genre, in creating believable characters that don't necessarily tread that more tropey. Uh, line that a lot of apocalypse fiction does
0: yeah like i i try to i mean i don't worry about crossing over into tropes but i don't i dur- certainly don't try to aim for them
1: mm-hmm.
0: um with Wanderers specifically i mean and it leads into wayward because it's largely the same characters um i approached it like strategically like i knew i had it's one of the times where i had the world and the idea and the situation first mm-hmm. it's like well i know that i want to to view this this story in this world from a variety of angles. I don't want it to just be a Michael Crichton, well here's the scientist who knows mm-hmm. stuff. And I don't <laughs> want it to just be the Stephen King, well here's the the small town character who is okay. just trying to survive. Yeah, like, I want yeah. all of that. I, I kind of want to get into the, you know, all of the possible angles. And that's sort of the absurdity of the, the you know, Douglas Adams type of character. Like, Pete Corley is both a little bit of a Stephen King character <laughs> and a Douglas <laughs> Adams character. I mean, and ultimately, hopefully, like, a character of mine, too. Like, he feels like a very, very me character. Um, so for me, I, I sort of designed them as these, like, kind of additional viewpoints and these additional pathways into a narrative. Um, that allowed me to, of course, then it becomes interesting drama as these characters Mm. who, from different uh, backgrounds and different understandings and POVs who they come together and they sometimes work together and sometimes don't easily work together. And um, you know, how do they deal with each other as this entire situation is unfolding? So um, it was for me very much an issue of strategy more than anything else. And then building those characters out of that and making real people uh, in them and not worrying so much about the like hitting the beats. Like I don't want to just hit the beats. Like I, i find that it's it's one of the reasons why not outlining i think worked for me in this case because i Mm -hmm. let the characters um i always say that plot is soylent green it's made out of people like (laughs) characters are saying things and doing things and that's what makes plot you know maybe ideally the things they do make sense in pursuit of their their goals and and trying to overcome their problems Um, but as they try to do those things um they're making plot as they go uh and that's cool to me. And it it means you don't have to worry so much about the like save the cat style things or the yes. sort of traditional genre beats. Not that you don't want to hit those, some of those things feel good and satisfying mm-hmm. um when readers are hitting them because it's sending a signal to certain readers like this is the kind of story I'm reading. Right. But then it's also cool to subvert them or simply not worry about them and and just see where the story goes.
1: Yeah. And P Corley is one of my favorite characters as well. Cause it's like Thank you. Yeah. I just had in my head I was like a, you know kind of a mix of um oh what's his name um Keith Richards meets like Steven Tyler's personality yes. or that's Steven, exactly Yeah, Steven Tyler's vibe right. mm-hmm. yeah that's the vibe like, oh brilliant brilliant yeah. but i love that yeah. it's like you know for anyone out there i don't think this applies to just post apocalyptic fiction i think this applies to fiction in general is like let your characters breathe and grow yes. naturally yeah. and let them let them speak the story yeah that that works best for them at that particular moment and it's like you know mj and i both plot a lot and 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 you have plotted in the past but for wanderers it's just like that project spoke to you in a certain way and said let this happen naturally right. like don't overthink this and right and it turned out for the best you know
0: yeah that's the dream that's that's when it's working on all cylinders
1: yeah
2: I love that. I love that. So to close out this really awesome discussion, that's um, been so much fun. I r- thank you for coming on. Um, I am just it. so curious about. We've talked a lot about the elements of wanders and wayward that we they, we wouldn't want to be real, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> black <bless laughs> woman and white mask loud. and all that stuff. Yeah.
1: Except what? community and hope. Yeah, except
2: well, that's what I want to say. What if we just you, have
1: the
0: community without all that stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
2: Let's just skip the pandemic part. We'll all the. Yeah, all what, what's the favorite element uh, of the world that you imagined in Wanderers and Wayward? If you can tell us without spoilers, like if you had to pick a favorite element, um and why Ooh. is it Gumball? No, I'm just kidding.
0: It's definitely Gumball. I fucking love. The great Gumball. thing is Gumball exists now. <laughs> Gumball is in is in all of our pets, all of our good dogs. Yes.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, he's a very good boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Like I, I think it's the the sort of weird communal nature of the flock like Mm -hmm. the idea that there's these people undergoing a thing and there's a lot of people who think they're scary and terrifying but then the shepherds are the people who are like you know it's that very and i know it's a little trite but like that whole like mr rogers look for the helpers kind of a thing like well here's your helpers in the book they're the people who are kind of the going because either they have family or because they feel like I don't know what this is, but I need to be a part of this and help this out. The um, and I find that fascinating. Yeah.
2: I love that. I love yeah. that.
1: Yeah. That was one of my favorite aspects too. It's kind of like the intimate nature of the flock, but then the broader misperceptions of what it meant. Yes. Like what what yes. caused it. That yeah. was, that was one of the coolest dynamics to be like, see it, see it very up close and personal, yeah. but then to see it like, on the news or like the the pastor character who was like podcasting about it. I love that you threw podcasts in there as well. Oh yeah. And and tweets.
2: Twitter's in there. I know. I love (laughs) that. I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was very cool. But like that that dichotomy was was very interesting because that's what happens a lot.
2: Well that's part of why why it felt so like like you're a mind reader because that we saw so many of those same dynamics. Yeah. In with the pandemic, with the pandemic yeah. where it was yeah. just so many different perceptions. So yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was
0: really, weird. really, really like fantastic. Folks, to my yeah. that
1: <laughs> you were talking about misinformation and disinformation before it got hot. Before <laughs> it was
0: yeah, cool. Right? Before it was cool.
1: Alternative <laughs> facts, people.
0: I know it. it was all me. Should <laughs> so listen to me.
1: Uh, well, uh, that's it for this mini cl- mini masterclass class and our two parter with Chuck. But uh, thank you again so much for for taking the time to. Enlighten everyone about post-apocalyptic fiction, about your work in general. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Thanks
0: for having me. This has been cool.
1: Absolute pleasure. And, uh, if you could let everyone know again, where they can find you on social media.
0: Yeah. Um, again, if Twitter hasn't completely broken down, um, uh, <laughs> Chuck Wendy there and on honestly most um, social media sites, uh, but you can find me at the ever reliable, uh, blog, which is still the worst word in the human language blog, yeah. uh, dot is where I tend to live and breathe.
1: Awesome. And I will link to that in the description and everything like that. But you can also follow SFF Addicts on Instagram or Twitter at SFF Addicts Pod. And you can follow me at Adrian M. Gibson. MJ, where can people find you?
2: Yep. You can find me across all the main socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at MJKoonBooks.
1: Perfect. Now keep reading, keep imagining, and we'll see you next time on SFF Addicts.